I'm in a helicopter speeding down the Zambezi River. The sun is low in the sky, and the green expanse of the Kalahari Basin stretches out beside me. In the distance, what looks like a forest fire, a thick cloud of white smoke rising hundreds of meters into the air. But as the chopper wheels around, it's clear this is no fire. Oh man, look at that. The mighty Zambezi roars over a cliff and disappears into a billowing cloud of mist. So it just drops off the face of the earth. The Lozi people called this place Mosi Oatonya, the smoke that thunders. But most people know it by its English name, Victoria Falls. Tucked away in the northwest corner of Zimbabwe, on the Zambian border, lies the largest waterfall on Earth, twice as tall and twice as wide as Niagara. Now we're coming up on a big overlook. And from the ground, it's somehow even more impressive. And it's so green. I mean, there's, there's vegetation hugging the, the base of the rock as water just rushes by, just gallons and gallons of white water. Some have been known to burst into tears upon seeing it for the first time. I mean, that is just this view. It's hard to, um, hard to put into words. Fortunately for us, the first white man to see these falls, Dr. David Livingston. Dr. Livingston, I presume. Yes, that Dr. David Livingston. Thankfully, he was not so tongue-tied. He said famously, scenes so lovely must have been gazed upon by angels in their flight. What he didn't say, nor has anyone, save a small group who runs Zimbabwe these days, is, you know what this place needs? A casino. The AJI unit has spent years undercover with the people who seem determined to strip this land of every last ounce of money and minerals. As long as you grease the wheels in Africa, you grease the wheels, there's no issue. A vast network of criminality made possible by this land's greatest gift and perhaps greatest curse, gold. Gold is easy. We can do it right now. We can make the call right now, and it's done. By the end of this series, this gold mafia will open the books on one of the biggest money laundering operations in the world. There is an opportunity, a hell of a big opportunity to wash money here. Um, <laughs> it is shocking how blatant the scheme is. They will reveal the ruthless tactics they use to crush their opponents. Do you live by the gun, you die by the gun. And agree to a deal that would push the limits of their greed and selfishness to an almost absurd degree. A deal that would permanently deface this natural wonder of the world by turning Victoria Falls into a Zimbabwean version of Las Vegas, complete with a mega casino. Let me just say to you, what you want to do is happening. You have got the president. And by the end, 
the hard-learned lessons of dealing with gangsters and smugglers and the corrupt leaders who enable them is that just like the falls, there is no bottom in sight. Now I'm looking straight at it and you can't see where it hits water because that's just all wet. I'm mean, really getting wet here. This is a world where everything is for sale and everything has a price. And they mean everything, even the smoke that thunders. This is Al Jazeera Investigates. I'm Kevin Hurton. Welcome to Gold Mafia, Episode 1, The Skeleton Key. It's early. The sun's not even up over Zimbabwe's capital, Harare. But signs of an economy in freefall line the streets. Hundreds of people are laid out on cardboard boxes, just waiting. Sleeping outside the bank is the only way some Zimbabweans can get cash. They've been cash shortages for months because the government is broke. Some banks have limited withdrawals to $50 a day. Our colleague Haruma Tassa has been reporting on this subject for years. We spent three days, let's just say three nights. We come and sleep out here. Maybe tomorrow I'll withdraw a little money. It's painful. We leave our families at home. Sleep put here in the dark, in the cold, sleeping on cardboard boxes. We don't even remember what our beds feels like anymore. It is disgraceful. Most of us take banking for granted. If you put your money in the bank, you're pretty confident you can get it out whenever you want. But in places like Zimbabwe, there simply isn't enough cash to go around. And what's worse is the money they do have is constantly losing value. Historically, Zimbabwe has suffered some of the worst inflation in the world. Things are tight. Things are really tight. The country has been under Western sanctions since 2002 because of election rigging and human rights abuses. Now that Robert Mugabe has stepped down as Zimbabwe's president after 37 years in power, the focus shifts. Zimbabwe's longtime ruler, Robert Mugabe, was ousted by a military coup in 2017. But the sanctions remain, and the people are still dealing with the fallout in the form of high unemployment, supply shortages, and continued hyperinflation. When the people don't trust the local currency, they turn to a currency they do trust. And in this case, it's U.S. dollars. And those dollars are in high demand, both on the streets, where a black market economy dominates, and at the Reserve Bank, which is often desperately low on foreign currency reserves. The reason that's a problem is because the local currency has no international value, which means that all imports must be paid in dollars. So, the Zimbabwean government hatched a plan to stockpile foreign currency by leveraging its most precious natural resource. And that resource is... Gold. Mountains of it. That's right, gold. The obsession of people throughout history, from Old King Midas... Gold, gold, gold. I worship it. I love it. ...to Homer Simpson. 
Homer, what'd you do? Get a haircut or something? Look closer, Lenny. Oh, I know what it is. You're the biggest man in the world now. And you're covered in gold. 14 karat gold? Zimbabwe has a lot of gold, but not a lot of dollars. As a solution, the government engages licensed gold traders with enough cash to pay the gold miners on its behalf. I'm going to bring in one of the lead investigators on this story to help explain how the system works. Here's my iUnit colleague, Alexander James. So they license gold buyers whose job it is to go out to the small-scale gold miners and buy up the gold. These gold traders can then export that gold and sell it for US dollars. The stipulation of doing that is that the returns of those sales, they they need to come back to Zimbabwe. Therefore, bringing more uh, hard currency, more US dollars into the country. So they are richly rewarded for their role in this. Sounds like a pretty good plan. So why hasn't it alleviated Zimbabwe's financial pain? I mean, things are not going great. Inflation is rampant. Three quarters of the population lives on less than $5.50 a day. And people still have to line up in front of the bank in the morning. Well, what we discovered early on is that at every step of the way, the people tasked with executing this plan and fixing these problems are, in fact, making them worse. And rather than use Zimbabwe's great wealth of gold to help the people, many of the country's gold traders, civil servants, and political elites are scamming the system, laundering vast sums of money and enriching themselves. And the only way to expose it was to go undercover to see how they do it. That's after a quick break. Hello, I'm Charles Dance, your narrator for Hindsight, an original podcast by Al Jazeera. We carry on exploring the lives of history's most notable figures, from Rosa Parks to Pol Pot. We meet the people who changed the way we think about our world and those who left it marked by their infamy. Hindsight from Al Jazeera, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's explain how we approached this investigation. We dispatched undercover reporters to Zimbabwe back in 2019. They posed as representatives of wealthy Hong Kong criminals on the lookout for someone to help launder millions of dollars they've made through illegal activity. Remember, in those days, it was not a great time to have a ton of illicit money stashed in Hong Kong. Police in Hong Kong are trying to break up more protests. It's the 24th straight weekend of unrest and anger at security forces is growing. The city was in crisis, with Beijing pushing to take control of the former autonomous region. So our undercovers pretended that they needed help getting their ill-gotten fortune out of Hong Kong quickly and they wanted to find ways for their dirty cash to look legitimate in the process. Soon enough, they'd found just the man to help them do it. Me and Gold since I was 19. 
I went to jail first time for gold when I was 21, so that would be 91. Ewan McMillan is one of Zimbabwe's most notorious gold smugglers. Despite being a lifetime criminal, he's actually one of those authorized gold buyers hired by the government. And then I went to do a lot of prison, you know, in the 90s. For gold? Yeah. So how does a twice-convicted gold smuggler land such a lucrative government gig? Well, in this undercover recording, he gives us a big hint. And you won't believe this, my partner is the president. I did 60 days in prison. And my partner is the new president. McMillan claims that he went to prison to protect his former partner. He says that former partner is the current president of Zimbabwe, Emerson Manangagwa, who replaced Mugabe in 2017. And he was my partner. Mm. Saw me down the tube. We're talking, what, <clears throat> 98, 2000? Mm. I got sent to very ginormous black guys. And they said, you know who your partner is. Don't mention it or your life will get so much worse. Okay, Alexander James, let's dive into the details of the undercover operation. So let me introduce you to our undercover team first. We have Mr. Stanley, who is the money that's the purpose of our visit. Yes. We have to know how you can facilitate us yes. so to move all the money yes. and how we okay. can so. operate. Mr. Stanley has made absolutely no secret that his cash is illicitly obtained. He represents a whole address book of uh, shady businessmen in Hong Kong and Macau who have started to attract the unwanted attention of the Chinese government. Then we have his sidekick, Miss Sin, who's really the brains of the operation and kind of make sure Mr. Stanley stays on track. Just to be honest, um, there's a lot of cash that we need to get out yes. of Hong Kong and Macau because we don't want to leave it there. And then we have Johnny, and he is a long-term business partner of Mr. Stanley's, and he's the money mover, moving finance across the world outside the banks. So let me let to explain to him. You collect the money, cash from Hong Kong, bring it to Dubai. Okay, so you know the team who we'll hear from periodically throughout this Gold Mafia series. You know the problem. They need to wash millions in dirty money, and they need it done quickly. And they found the perfect partner in Ewan McMillan, a.k.a. Mr. Gold. It was a chance meeting in a bar. A certain element of chance, because we knew that would just be the sort of place he would go to. He introduced himself as Mr. Gold, and the rest flowed from there. McMillan's a large man with tussled hair and a ruddy complexion. He likes to drink and he likes to talk. And he's all charm when he greets our undercover team at a safari lodge in Zimbabwe. Cheers. My dear friend. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you. There is an opportunity, a hell of a big opportunity to wash money here. What McMillan says to our undercovers is that you can give me your dirty cash. 
you can arrange for your courier to come and meet my courier airside in Dubai airport with a bag of cash and he will take that into Zimbabwe. And I do 200 kilos a week. That's what we do, buy and sell. Just to put that into perspective, one kilogram is worth about 60,000 US dollars. 200 kilograms is $12 million a week. Now, what would normally happen is we'd, we'd bank the gold, get the US dollars and fly it home to Zimbabwe. If you want to bring half a million dollars down and you want your money in a bank account in Dubai, that you can do, because it's an export of gold. Now, when Macmillan lands at Harare, he will declare that cash, but he will say that this cash is the proceeds from this gold export that we've just done. So in that moment, a customs form is signed, it's stamped, and that cash becomes clean because it has an origin. And then when they come and they say, right, well, where did this money come from? There's a contract back to Dubai, back to Zimbabwe, and the profit is three million a week of gold, which is coming legitimately, paperwork and everything into Dubai. The only place that you can do this scam, the only place it will work is Zimbabwe, because Zimbabwe is a cash US dollars economy. Macmillan buys his gold from hundreds of small scale miners in Zimbabwe. They call them artisanal miners, which sounds much fancier than it is. In reality, the miners work in brutal conditions, with small shovels in the hot summer sun and in the dark cold of winter. But the miners don't care about the origin of the funds. They just want to be paid for their labor, so cash works great. See, the contract I have with the government is I don't have to produce paperwork. So when a person comes to sell me gold, I don't have to write his name down. I don't have to do anything. The money laundering involves Macmillan selling gold in Dubai and placing the funds in an account that Mr. Stanley has set up. That's your money. What we're doing is we're taking the legal gold, selling it in Dubai legally. Mr. Stanley's dirty money is then taken back to Zimbabwe. Macmillan will pretend that it's the proceeds from the sale of gold. The only legal thing is you giving me the US dollars out of Hong Kong, but they don't know that. So they just think that I'm depositing gold in Dubai, selling gold in Dubai, and I'm leaving it there. So there it is. Gold is the skeleton key that unlocks this money laundering. One, our undercovers give Macmillan dirty cash. Two, Macmillan uses that cash to buy gold from artisanal miners in Zimbabwe. And three, he sells that gold in Dubai. In three easy steps, their dirty money turns into clean money sitting in a Dubai bank account. Rinse and repeat. Devilishly simple and completely illegal. Um, <laughs> it is shocking how blatant the scheme is. Lakshmi Kumar policy director at Global Financial Integrity. She's an expert in anti-corruption and the global gold trade. What you see here, the blatant attitude with which 
this criminal enterprise is being discussed is the confidence they have that on either side of the equation, no one cares. Whether it's Zimbabwe, whether it's UAE, it gives you a sense of how few questions are asked on either side. But if Macmillan's plan to use Zimbabwe gold to wash dirty money isn't bad enough, he has another trick up his sleeve. One he comes up with when we tell him just how much money we want to clean. Mr. Stanley suggests he wants to launder three million a week. Zimbabwe doesn't actually have enough gold to do what the money launderers need for it to do. This is where Macmillan's past as a gold smuggler really comes in handy. If you're doing 300 kilos, 300, but then we'd have to fly the boat, because it's not 300, you can't buy 300 kilos of gold here in Zimbabwe. Not? No, it's not here. Not here. But you can fly it in the midst of it. So How do you fly in the gold? Through the airport here? No. no. Okay. We have our own airplanes. And just in case you missed that, he said, we have our own airplanes. It's funny, though. That's what it is, my brother. That we do it all the time. It doesn't come here legally. We make a plan. To South Africa, with South Africa to Lesotho, from there, light aircraft in hidden compartments, in from there to another place, car pick it up, bring it in. It's, it's, it costs money. But even after all the costs, it's good margin. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> if you look at data produced by the United Nations that follows global trade, you will see that the UAE declares substantial amounts of gold for export. But Zimbabwe doesn't record any gold imports. The gold can even be carried by couriers flying in business class. Smuggling seems so easy. How much can you fly in one time? 50 kilos. That's per person. 50 kilos? Per person. How many people? We have as many as you want, okay? (laughs) (laughs) We we fly in 150 used to, a week. 150, 200 a week. Just to be clear, he's talking about buying gold in Dubai and secretly flying the load back to Zimbabwe via a few other countries and passing it off as locally mined gold only to then resell it again in Dubai. Wow. (laughs) What's amazing is that it is pure just a money laundering scheme. Once again, anti-corruption expert Lakshmi Kumar. What I find interesting, which I would have thought would have been the default way is that they land in Zimbabwe, pay off the customs guy to look the other way, and they move the golden. But they are choosing not to do that. It is much more secretive, much more cloak and dagger. They control the purchase of the gold. They control the transport of the gold. They control the refining of the gold. Nothing is left to chance. And it is an incredibly sophisticated operation, one I have not come across. This is important for a number of reasons. Aside from the brazenness of it all, it's an excellent example of why gold is such a useful commodity for illicit actors. A skeleton key of criminality. That's because it's really easy to disguise where gold comes from. All you have to do is melt it down, tweak the composition of impurities, and it's untraceable. 
You know, there's a statistic that you often hear about when you start researching gold. All the gold ever mined can fit inside three Olympic-sized swimming pools. It's a mind-blowing image because it means your gold ring or your gold necklace could very plausibly date back to ancient Egypt or the Incas or King Solomon. Over the centuries, it's all just been melted down, blended together, and sold and resold and resold. I think what is great from a criminal perspective is gold has the ability to erase its history and write itself a new story about where it comes from. There is no way to concretely establish an audit trail, if you're using the technical term. McMillan explains how he can refine gold bought in Dubai to make it seem like gold mined in Zimbabwe. So we take two kgs of 99.999 and we add it with one kg of Zimbabwe gold. Smelt it and then know nothing. Because it still has the trace elements of Zimbabwe gold, but only a third. So when they check it, they say, oh, well, the trace elements are all there. We put our findings to Mr. McMillan, but he did not respond to our inquiries. McMillan makes a pretty strong pitch to our undercovers. But even he admits he's not the only game in town. There's a rival gold mafia gang competing for his business. I'm one of two, I told you. I'm not the biggest. I'm number two in gold. Who is number one? He's a Kenyan. Bloody Kenyan. And it turns out the number one is a household name and the brains behind one of the biggest scandals in Kenyan history and he spilled his secrets to our undercover team. Next time on Al Jazeera Investigates. He moved to Zimbabwe, and he's doing another money laundering operation with a tried and tested gold. And wait till you hear what a retired FBI agent thinks about him after viewing our evidence. Pastor Paul should be investigated for evading sanctions and go to jail. <laughs> I mean, really. <laughs> oh yeah, and there's that casino they want to build on one of the seven natural wonders of the world. It's all coming up on future episodes of Gold Mafia. This episode was written and produced by me, Kevin Hurton, with help from Amy Walters. Alexander James and Sarah Yeo are the lead investigators on this series. Craig Pennington is our sound designer. Clean Cuts does the final sound mix. Eric Samothrakis composed our snazzy new theme song. Peter Charlie is the show's executive producer. And Phil Reese is Al Jazeera's director of investigative journalism. We will see you next time. Mm-hmm.